Hey everyone, it's Lauren and Mark. Welcome to another edition of the Loose Lugs Racing Podcast. We have some great stuff in store. Let's get to it. All right. Hello, Loose Lug Nation. Today we have the five-time Arca Midwest Tour champion joining us, Ty Majeski. We're talking about, of course, Ty. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? Good guys. Appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a little while. Hey, Ty. Where are you at this in this part of the country? What you doing today, man? Oh, we just actually celebrated uh, Christmas a little early. Um, Allie's Allie's brother is. Uh, and, and his wife are headed to Hawaii for the next couple of weeks. So uh, they'll be gone through Christmas. So we celebrate a little bit early this year and uh, just got in the truck and uh, headed back to Ohio uh, to go uh, back to work at Thorsport tomorrow. Oh, wow. Uh, quite, quite the drive you have uh, in front of you this evening. Well, we'll get this in quick. Uh, another incredible season. I just mentioned it, a fifth ARCA Midwest Tour Championship. You had seven wins uh, in the super late model this year. You had three top 15s in the truck. You only were in that four times, including two top 10s. Tell us about your season. Well, really, we, you know, it was sort of a transition year for me from the, from a NASCAR standpoint. Um, you know, I, I didn't know what I was going to do this year leading up. You know, this was uh, probably January time frame. Um, I, I got a call from, from Thor Sport, and they decided that they wanted to um, sort of create a position for me at the shop every, every day. And, uh, and also put me in some races uh, with the thought that we were going to try and build something and, and put it together for the future, whether that was uh, for this coming year or two years from now. Uh, we both wanted to work that direction. In the meantime, um, you know, like I said, they made me a job offer, and I was going to basically be my own, own engineer on the fifth truck and as well as uh, run the Romer arm. So the Romer arm, basically, we take each chassis piece, spindle, truck arm, rear end housing, the chassis themselves, everything gets scanned, gets the part number, and it gets put into uh, Toyota software. And I can basically take and build a model of each truck with each individual part on each truck. And we can basically run arbitrary laps on a simulation program and make adjustments and see how it reacts and um, how the attitude is of the truck. And we can do all those different things uh, right on the computer. So, um, that's sort of my job, what I do day to day. Uh, but uh, on, the, on the competition side, you know, I can't say enough about everybody at Thor Sport putting, putting together and putting forth a real fifth effort. Not a lot of teams in the truck series are, are capable of doing that. And um, they gave me a great piece each and every time. Um, you know, you mentioned we had three top 15 finishes and the, our worst finish was a DNF at, at Gateway. And that was definitely the, the best truck we could easily walk out of there with a well, the top five finish, we had a really, really good truck. So I'm um, excited for the future, excited for the new opportunities uh, that hopefully will fall my way uh, coming in next year. But uh, reflecting on 2021, it was a, a really good season for me all the way around. How did you handle that adjustment of switching over to doing more of the engineering and mechanical things and, and less of the racing as in the NASCAR world, I guess? Well, it's an easy transition for me uh, because I, I like to know – I like to know what's going on, even if I am a full-time driver. I like to be involved in that kind of thing. It's something that, you know, I, I love being a race car driver, but it, 
it's even more fun when you get to work with your team and, and work on getting better um, from a competition standpoint together. Um, you know, it's enjoyable for me. It's something I'm really involved in on the Super Late Model program. So uh, for me, it's been a, a huge learning experience knowing more about these race trucks, um, you know, to the point where I can be involved more in, in those types of things and what we do bring to the racetrack. So, um, you know, doing what I'm doing, I get to see every single truck that comes through um, whether that's a 98 truck or a 99 truck or an 88 truck or one of my own, I, I get to see it come through and what it is and what the body build is. And it, uh, I've been able to learn uh, sort of the stable and the trucks that Thor Sport has and uh, what trucks are strengths at certain racetracks. And, um, and I get to, you know, set ups and know what each team is going with to the racetrack. And, um, you know, I can then correlate what has worked and, and what hasn't worked. And hopefully when I do get that opportunity to be a driver, um, I'll have a good idea of, of what I think I need to go to each track with. So uh, that'll be something I'll work with, with my crew chief and engineer with. And um, like I said, it's been a great learning experience. Um, yes, I've been a driver this year full time, um, but I think that it'll help me long term uh, having done what I've done this year. So when Thor Sport got the top top four positions there at Las Vegas, uh, you get a little credit for all of that, don't you? Well, I, I was a small part of it, right? We, we all had a small part of achieving that. That was so, so cool. Uh, it's so hard to do that, right? Everything sort of needs to go your way in order for that to happen. You obviously have to have fast trucks, but uh, there's so many things throughout the race that needed to go. Um, Thor Sports way in a dead mind and um, but when you put fast competitive trucks out there and, and four competitive efforts at that, um, something like that will, 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 uh, will help, will happen eventually. And like I said, I was a, a real small part of it, but, uh, very proud to be, uh, a, a small part of it. I have two more questions on, on the NASCAR side before we transition over into the super light model side and then get into the snowball derby here. Um, you have now raced with PJ one on the track and resin. And I know we talked about this in a different interview. Unfortunately, that interview didn't work out quality wise on our end. And I, but uh, tell us the, the feel and the difference that you see with the resin versus the PJ one. Well, I think there's certain tracks um, that it, it really works at and, and some tracks it doesn't. Um, for what, I don't know what the difference was this year, but the PJ one was, was horrible this year. Whereas I feel like in 2020, um, it you could fire off in it right away. So at Pocono, for example, in the East truck, I went from like, I started 19th, I was in third, in like two laps um, before, of course, I went wrecking down the front stretch. Um, and you could go out there, right? I passed everybody three wide. I was the third truck out on the top in the TJ1, um, hauling ass. And, um, this year, you would get up in it, and you'd almost spin out, and it would take the whole race board to come in. And as we progressed throughout the year, they started using uh, a resin, which I don't – chemically, I don't know the difference. Um, it seemed like the resin would was basically just an adhesive to lay uh, rubber down. So NASCAR has what they call the tire dragon, uh, which is basically a, an apparatus where they drag around the racetrack, and the tires go the opposite direction. And it basically lays rubber down, and the resin is just something um, that's, you know, cohesive for the rubber to stick to. Um, so you saw it work well at places like Nationals, the one that sticks out in my mind, 
uh, even in our race, that it, it came in pretty good, and uh, you can make some time up. So it seems to me that for whatever reason this year, the, the PJ1 and or the resin really seems to work on um, on concrete racetracks. We saw it at Nashville. Obviously, it, it's worked good at Bristol uh, since we started doing it. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what the future holds, but it seemed like NASCAR was starting to bleed away from uh, the PJ1 and even some of the resin other than on certain racetracks towards the end of the year, and it seemed to work out pretty good. That stuff is so interesting to me because there's so many different variables involved. Uh, I just love hearing your thoughts on it and, and getting your your mind wrapped around it. Uh, the next thing is Thor Sport wins the championship with Ben Rhodes. They started, you know, you guys started out with the two first wins with Ben, and then he caps off the championship at the end of the year. Tell us uh, how everything's going over at Thor Sport and how you guys celebrated that championship. Well, we're actually, uh, actually this Wednesday, if anybody's listening is in Ohio or wants to go to Ohio on Wednesday, we actually have a PM this Wednesday and, uh, it's going to be a really good event. We have all kinds of stations set up around the shop. We're expecting, um, you know, a couple thousand people at least. And, um, it'll be a good opportunity food and, and drinks for everybody. And I guess that tour around we'll have stations set up on, uh, you know, different stations around the race shop and what happens in each station. And uh, we'll have individuals explaining all that. So uh, really excited for that. Uh, it's been, you know, obviously the, uh, the temple and the shop has been very upbeat. You know, we're excited. That's uh, as a race team. That's, that's the goal that you have when you start out the year is, is, is to make it to Phoenix and, and bring home a championship. And um, to be a small part of that has been really cool. Uh, ben and, and Rich Lucius and uh, Anthony Sergio, all the 99 guys have done a great job. Um, that was with a, a brand new Thor Sport truck. Uh, they hadn't. That was the race number one on it at Phoenix. Uh, so just a testament to all the finished fab guys uh, downstairs that, that hang the bodies and, and build these chassis and take a brand new truck, um, you know, unproven uh, to uh, to a championship race and go out and and, uh, and bring home the championship. Just uh, says a lot about about everybody at Thor Sport, top to bottom. What uh, what time is that happening on Wednesday again, Ty? 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. on Wednesday. Okay. Hey, Lauren, let's go, man. That sounds like a good time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, wouldn't that be fun? Hey, Ty, just before we get to going to the snowball and talking about that, hey, congratulations on that win over at Florence. You seem to have that place figured out, and you had to take a provisional. How did that all work out there? Well, it's kind of weird. Uh, we had a really fast car in practice on the speed charts all weekend. I think we led almost all the practices. Um, but all, all of my fastest laps took place on like lap eight or nine of a run. So we never showed fire off speed all day, even though we were at the top of the charts. Like I said, we put new tires on it, take eight laps for it to get, to get there. Um, so we knew once we got in the race, it would be fine, but we were, uh, certainly a little nervous about qualifying, uh, really all weekend. Uh, we never really got the car to fire off the way we wanted it to and the way it needed to, to qualify well, um, we thought it would at least qualify in the show and it didn't even do that. And, um, and then we got into the, the second round qualifying. We, we had to, you know, unfortunately rely on a provisional, uh, to, to make it into the race. So, um, but it turned out okay. It, it kind of put us in a box from a strategy standpoint. We were, uh, sort of forced to really aggressively ride. Um, my spotter, Mike Herman Jr. was giving me lap times versus the leader. Um, even though we were running 30th position, he was just giving me lap times. I was just trying to manage, basically go as slow as possible 
and still stay on the lead lap and save as much tire as possible because we knew uh, it would it would it would probably be some sort of a a, a wreck fest the last fifty laps and. Sometimes those races like that, when you play that kind of strategy, everything has to go your way in order for or, in order for you to win, or at least have a chance at winning. And it just it was our race. Green flag goes out at with 50 to go. 15 of them wreck in front of me. I went from restarting 27 to restarting 14, 13 free positions, and literally no laps off the board. So um, in no circumstances would I have made it up that far and have a chance to win without that big wreck. So, like I said, I've lost races that way, and I've won races that way. And uh, this race uh, was just our day. I'm glad Mark brought up the late model stock race because you have talked about trying to become more versatile, and that's kind of why you wanted to go back and race this late model stock. Talk about your thoughts on, on becoming more versatile and what that does for you. Well, as a race car driver, you know, it, I think, you know, we've, I've got my team and, you know, Toby and all the guys, we've gotten to the point where I feel like we've proved ourselves as um, one of the front runners on the super late model side. And, um, you know, I, I had the opportunity to go in and race with one of my good friends, Chad Bryan, on the late model stock side. Um, you know, I saw Stephen Nassie and Bubba Pollard and uh, some other super late model guys dabble in late model stock racing. And um, it's a challenge. Every time you go to a different discipline and a type of car uh, you're not familiar with, it's, you know, it's not easy. Those guys do it, you know, week in and week out each weekend. And it's hard to go to their discipline and be successful. And I saw a good opportunity with Chad. Uh, he obviously has really good equipment, you know, from whether it's in one of his art cars or late models. Uh, he runs a class A program. So um, it was a good opportunity for me to go and do it and do it with one of my buddies. And uh, it was fun to go and have success the first two outings. Uh, the first outing was, uh, uh, I suppose, a, a little bit more by the book. Uh, the second one, we got a little bit lucky, but uh, still still had a good car and a, and a good piece to go and get it done at the end. So um, it's been a lot of fun, you know, learning so much on how to manage races. And I think I've been able to cross some of that um, over to the super late model side. Just the way you have to manage a race in the late model stock is so much different. And I think I can take a lot of that and, and manage races differently and uh, hopefully put myself in better positions at the end of these super late model races as well. At that end of the race, it came down to the, uh, to your car and the junior motorsports eight, just like it did a year prior. This time Carson Quapple was in the car. Uh, tell us more about that battle and then going up against the junior motorsports team. Well, the junior motorsports guys are great guys. Uh, we actually blew up en uh, engines two years in a row and they were the first team to lend help to us. Actually, two years last year, they actually gave us their spare engine to put in the car, and we we beat them. Ended up beating them with their own engine in our car that they helped us put in. And, and this year, they helped us uh, put one of our backup engines in. So um, our Chad Bryant and um, you know Junior Motorsports worked well together. They're great guys, and um, they're you know like I said, they're the top of the line when it comes to late model stock racing. Um, if that eight junior motorsports cars in the race, you're going to have to beat it to win. So, um, they're great guys. Great to work with. Uh, it's a great, uh, friendly, friendly battle and friendly rivalry. Uh, we take pride in wanting to beat each other because we know, um, you know, they're one of the best teams and, and you're, like I said, you're going to have to beat them if you're going to win the race. So uh, in order, it, it was cool to, to have to beat those guys. 
in order to win uh, those two late model stock races that, you know, you, you go into it knowing you, you have to beat the best of the best. All right, let's turn to the go to the Snowball Derby. Um, you didn't qualify so well for that race. You ended up starting in the middle of the pack. What happened there, buddy? Well, we, we focused on, on race trim more. We felt like the car was, was close enough to uh, switch over to race trim early on Thursday, and we sort of took, took a different approach. And, you know, it's funny. In, in 2018 and 2019, we focused a ton on race trim, much like this year. And we didn't qualify inside the top 23 either of those races. And 2020, we said, okay, we're going to focus on race trim or on qualifying trim, get the track position and work on the race car in the race. And that's what we did. We qualified third, but we didn't race good at all, uh, in my opinion. We fell way in the back the first run, fell back outside the top 10, had to race our way back up through. You know, things kind of went our way, and we were able to outrace Thorne at the end. Don't feel like we had, by any means, the best car um, when we won the snowball. So we decided to take a different approach, work on race trim more this year, and it hurt us. Uh, we didn't qualify good, qualified 19th, and unfortunately put ourselves in a, uh, a really bad position early on and got caught up um, in an incident with uh, an inexperienced driver and uh, really ended our race before we even started, tore the right front fender off. Uh, spindle was bent both right front ball joints were bent and we we showed signs of, of maybe having a shot early uh drove up into the top five a couple of times but uh we were just too wounded to really have um a car capable of competing with with the best guys that weekend so uh the end result was a mediocre day i wanted to step back a little bit about the snowball derby car because you and toby built this new uh, chassis together and decided to bring it down to the biggest race of the year as far as super late models go, which I found very interesting. And I have confidence in what you guys are doing. You've shown that. Um, but was there talk about kind of sticking to the old program and bringing what you brought before since you have been so successful? Not really. Uh, we we debuted, you know, this is, I don't know, our, our sixth or seventh new car now. And, you know, Besides uh, the car that we debuted at the Dells this year, we've actually some of our best races have been with the car kind of cold turkey, so to speak. Uh, it's first race, so we uh, debuted a, a new car, the Snowball, in, in 2015 and again in 2018. And those are arguably our, our best two cars that we've ever had down there. So, um, you know, and we also debuted a, our dream car, Ella, at Slinger Nationals in 2016. And we were driving off into the sunset away from Eric Jones and Matt Kenseth, and we blew a right rear tire bleeding. And so we've had really good – my point is we've had really good luck with race cars, so at no point did we think that it was going to be an issue uh, bringing a new car down to the snowball. So I have total confidence in, in Chris Craig, Toby, and all the guys that, that build those cars. Um, you know, that was the least of our worries going down there was uh, battling uh, new car blues, so to speak. So uh, we knew – if we didn't have a good weekend, it was going to be our fault, not uh, the fact that we built a new race car. You mentioned the damage that you got early there. Uh, you have been one who has talked about aero so much with these super late models. Uh, was there any aero deficiency with what happened, or were you guys able to repair that side of things? And in addition to that, you had a really good run in the middle of the race where you're up to third or fourth. Um, and then after that is where you started to back up a little bit. Um, tell us about that. Was it, was it more of a case of just the part was too damaged and getting more damaged as you ran along? 
so basically what happened with the right front fender is we got a huge hole in it and it was caved way in. Um, but that hole was actually, um, it was open. So it was basically feeding air to the right front tire. And I don't know if you guys, you NASCAR fans, have watched Martin Truex Jr. win Martinsville with no right front fender. Well, that actually cooled the right front tire. And everybody in the pit area had issues with right front tires coming apart. Well, we had basically a self-made air blower that whole first run on that right front tire. And I think it was actually keeping that tire cooler, which gave us a little bit more longevity. And I really came on strong that last run. And all the fender braces were knocked out of it, right? So it was basically just a plastic, um, a plastic piece and then a fiberglass fender with a hole in it. Right, and air was going directly to the right front tire. So we came in and tried to fix it. So we patched that hole, but we had no bracing. So the right front fender was now flapping in the wind, and but it was not cooling the right front tire. So it's flapping in the wind, and when the right front fender flaps in the wind, it disrupts all the air going down the right side of the car. And as you guys know, you, you see the you know cup cars and uh, Xfinity cars and ARCA cars have what's called skew. So when you see a car sidetracking down the straightaway, that's called skew. And that's basically to make the right side of the car, basically think of it as an airplane wing on its side. So air hits the side of the car when the car is skewed and it creates side force. And what was happening, I believe, on a smaller scale, this is the short track, on a smaller scale, the, the right front fender was flapping in the wind and disrupting all the air on the right side of the car. So Looking back at it, I think it actually hurt us trying to fix the right front fender damage uh, versus just leaving the big hole in it, leaving the air clean on the right side of the car and letting air cool down the right front tire uh, versus patching that hole, not having any bracing, having it flap in the wind, and again, disrupting that, that air. So again, a much smaller scale, but I believe it, it did have an impact on the rest of our race. Um, I felt like we were a couple adjustments away from – um, at least being competitive and um, and after we fix that damage and, and try to make adjustments to the car just really never reacted uh, after that point and I really didn't know what the damage looked like I was obviously in the car and I, I didn't know what we were what we were up against from a damage standpoint what, what we actually didn't fix it or anything so um, looking back at it, hindsight's 2020 maybe we would have been better off leaving it the way that it was don't know that it would have really changed uh, the outcome of our race much uh, like I said, getting back to the shop, we were, we were pretty wounded. Did you have any other problems with tires? Um, you know, that was kind of a big deal down there. And uh, what is your view on the tire situation and what people were dealing with down there? Well, you're, you know, who's your stuck in between a rock and a hard place? Just like anything else, if you can't get materials. It's harder nowadays to get people to work if you do have the material. And they just got behind. They got behind last offseason. Um, they had to shut down for – um, I don't know, it was around two weeks or a month, and production just got behind. Um, you know, I, I, I know the Bristol Na Bristol Dirt Nationals, they had to make so many tires in a short amount of time for the dirt race, for the dirt races, that they really shut down asphalt tire manufacturing for a long time um, in order to make sure there was enough dirt tires for um, the Dirt Nationals at Bristol. So uh, that set them back a ton. COVID set them back a ton lack of material, lack of workers. Everybody's just in a difficult spot right now. And, you know, they, they did the best they could. I'm, I'm giving us the, a good pod to go race on, but unfortunately they, the tire just couldn't hold up. It was too green. 
Uh, I, I think just about every team in the pit area had a right front tire come apart. Um, I was up to fourth at one point um, behind Ryan Priest, Chandler, and, and Thorne. Uh, this is the second to last run, and we courted a right front or had a right front start to come apart. I, I post, posted on Twitter, and, it, you know, at, at that point, you're just a, a dead man, you know, uh, a fish out of water, and we fell back fell back to eighth, lost all of our track position when it was go time with 13 to go. And this, when you restart that far back with 13 laps to go, uh, you really don't have a fight. So it's pretty much, you're stuck on the outside. The outside was terrible all day. Um, and, you know, you're kind of just in a, in a tough spot with no chance at uh, improving your position. So unfortunately that was, you know, we maybe could have salvaged, maybe could have snuck out a top five um, if we wouldn't have lost that track position late. But uh, unfortunately, just didn't turn out that way and uh, got shuffled back in the restart and ended up 10th or 11th. So, uh, like I said, mediocre day, maybe could have salvaged a better spot, but uh, the circumstances uh, didn't allow us to do that. It was Rich Bickle's last race there uh, on Sunday, and you're from the Midwest. You've got to race against him for quite a few years now. Um, tell us about your experiences with Rich, and did you get to mingle with him a little bit while you were down there or even after the race on Sunday? Well, Rich is a legend in short track racing. I mean, um, the guy's been around since, obviously, way before I started. But since I've started, he's always been uh, a staple in, in short track racing in the Midwest. And uh, he's always been one of those old-time guys, hard-nosed racers um, that you respect. He races you extremely hard. Probably, like, in my mind, him and Dan Fredrickson go back and forth between, like, the toughest two guys to pass in the Midwest. So, um, it's, it's fun to race those guys. You know what you're going to get when you race them and you got to respect them for it. So, um, like I said, he's a great racer and I've learned a lot from him. And, uh, like I said, I, I don't believe that he's done. Um, this is the best year that he's had. I don't want to put, you know, words in anybody's mouth, but really since I've been around racing in, you know, 2010, 2011, to me, this is one of the best years that he's had, uh, winning some of the crown jewel events that we have in the Midwest. Uh, the Joe Shear Classic and the and the Jim Sauter race at, at Wisconsin Dallas. So uh, he's put together a lot of great runs this year, uh, a lot of big wins, and um, I just have a hard time believing that he's going to actually stay out of the race car. What are your plans for the future? And I say that not you know it's early in the off season yet, a little early. Do you have a, a plan that um, you know about already, and and where can fans catch you next year? Well, we have an idea of what's of what's going to happen. I'm definitely going to be at Thor Sport. I just don't exactly know uh, what that's going to look like. Um, we're we're working hard towards a full time program, and I love it love it to be full time. But nothing to announce yet. Um, like I said, I'll, I'll at least be there at uh, at the capacity I was this year, at the very least. So excited about that. Like I said before, I've said many times, uh, love being at Thor Sport. Great group of people. Uh, we- to me being in the Midwest, being able to come back on weekends, uh, race short track races on the super late model side. So, um, you know, I, I'd love to, to fill in some late model races when I'm not going truck racing. And um, I'll, I'll always want to do that. It's what I love to do. And, um, you know, it's a, like I said, it, it just works for me to be able to do that being in Ohio. Um, so, like I said, excited for the future. Uh, really excited uh, on what the future looks like. And, uh, like, I said, like I said, regardless, it'll be with uh, with Thor Sport and looking forward to it. 
Hey, that's great, man. That sounds super. Come back and defend your titles back over here in Wisconsin. So we'll be looking forward to for some of that uh, that's coming up this year. Yeah, it should be a lot of great races. I know uh, Greg McCarns is up some of the purses uh, in some of the Carl Jewel events. Uh, sounds like um, the Joe Shear Classic, uh, the Jim Sauter race, and the Dixieland are each going to pay uh, at least fifteen grand to win, uh, as well as uh, raising some incentives for some of the traveling races uh, for the Midwest Tours. So uh, really cool to have a guy like Greg McCarns um, in the area promoting such a great series and uh, doing such a great job and. Uh, it's good to have a guy that cares so much about short track racing um, ahead of, of the Premier Series in, in, in the Midwest. So uh, we need more guys like him, um, you know, like uh, – or, you know, Jerry Obby does a great job as well at, uh, at the Dallas and the Tundra Series. We, we really have a lot to be thankful for here uh, as far as Midwest racing goes. Um, you know, I've gotten the privilege to have raced in many different regions, um, now being in the Carolinas and then, of course, in the southeast and – even some races out west, um, weekly racing and even the touring series are nowhere near what it is in the Midwest. And uh, we should all be really blessed as blessed as, uh, as race fans and, and also uh, and racers as well. So we have a, a certainly a honey hole in the Midwest and uh, really thankful to, to be from here and cut my teeth in here. And um, like I said, I don't think I would be the, the race car driver I am today um, if, I, if I grew up racing in any other region. So it's pretty cool. Uh, we couldn't agree more with you. We we talk about that all the time on here. Uh, one last thing for me, Ty. We were talking about the Midwest uh, Tour a little bit, and you just were. Uh, you obviously are the five-time champion, the defending champion now, but uh, rising star in Luke Fenhouse, you and him had one heck of a battle this year. Talk about, um, you know, getting to know Luke, battling Luke, and then what the future holds for you two battling out. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure we haven't battled for the last time, that's for sure. Um, he's really uh, hit his stride this year. Him and his team have done a great job uh, preparing great race cars, and he's done a great job preparing himself for um, for the opportunities that he's had. He's had, you know, really good, really good, uh, you know, like I said, done a really good job on himself and is always asking me questions about new racetracks and uh, just different things. He's he's one of the kids that, that cares about the sport, cares about its performance, and cares about getting better, and, um, and it's it's, it's hard not to help somebody that, that wants to get better, even though he's the, he's the guy that I'm going to have to race with for years to come. Um, I always wanted somebody to help me when I was in those positions. And, and, you know, when I had questions, I never, never really had a specific guy like that. So I always try and help out, uh, guys like him or, or Derek Krause or Riley Stengem, uh, just to name a few, you know, Riley's been, Riley's one of the up and comers as well. He's sort of under the Toby, Toby Race Products umbrella. He brought bought one of our uh, first race cars this year, and uh, he went out and won the Tundra Championship. Won won Marshfield, uh, ran really good all year. Uh, he's a smart kid, up and comer as well. So um, the Midwest has a lot of bright stars, uh, young young bright stars uh, that um, that are going to be coming up to the ranks. And unfortunately, I'm not the old guy any, anymore. I'm 27 years old. Uh, you know, it used to be me and Casey as the young guys, and uh, we're, we're now the savvy veterans. It's, it's hard to believe, but uh, that's, that's just the way it is. So, but it, like I said, it's fun to see some of the, the young up and coming talent in the Midwest. You know, uh, Levon Vanderdeese. There's just so many of them, and it's like I said uh, before. There's so much talent in the Midwest, and people don't realize that um, it's hard, really hard, for outside 
regions to come to the Midwest and be competitive. And um, you saw that, you know, Casey Roderick at the Dixieland, he struggled. Uh, Bubba Powered, the first few times he came up here, he struggled. Even Assey, it's clear nationals, he struggled. So it's it, it's a learning curve to come up here. It's just uh, a different type of race and different mentality up here. Like I said, uh, Midwest racing has a, has a bright future. Again, couldn't agree more with you. Well, Ty, we'll, we'll let you go here. Safe travels uh, to you. Uh, happy holidays to you and your family as well. Uh, we always appreciate talking to you. We can't wait to have you on again. Thank you so much. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, everybody enjoy the offseason. And uh, racing will be back before we know it. Yeah, you have a Merry Christmas, Ty. Uh, yeah, here you're calling these young guys kids, you know, and we've known you for about 12 years when you were a kid, you know, and, and uh, it kind of makes me laugh a little bit. Just just been enjoying uh, enjoying uh, watching you entertain us with your uh, super talent, man. So, yeah, have a Merry Christmas with you and your family there, bud. Appreciate it, guys. Crazy how time flies. Unbelievable. Yep. All right. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. Safe travel, man. Well, that was five-time Arkham Midwest Tour champion, Ty Majeski. Mark, uh, I really enjoy interviewing everyone. I know you do as well. But the thing about Ty is he's so mechanical that you can ask these questions to and he can just run with them and, and tell you more about what's going on and help you understand the vehicle that he's driving. You know, he talks about arrow, you know, and everybody's like, you talk to a casual fan and don't think that arrow would actually uh, work at a short track race, you know, but, uh, um, you know, you and I were texting at the, when the snowball was on, we seen how that right front was flapped. And I was saying it looked like the bracket was broken. We didn't know that the spindle was in and he was towed out, but uh, yeah, arrow, arrow at a short track race. And, uh, you know, they understand it and uh, wow, <laughs> they make it work, man. Unbelievable. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, awesome information that he gave us today. Yeah, and, you know, I'll never forget. Uh, he's talked about Arrow with us off the record for, for years. Um, but this year at the Slinger Nationals, he got some damage on the right front. And you could see, I mean, the fender was essentially missing, it looked like, where you could see the brake ducts and, and all this stuff. So I figured there was some damage underneath it. We walked up to him after the race, and I said, you know, how bad is it like I would any other driver? And he said it was all arrow. There's not a thing wrong with it. And, and you know, personally, that's probably a – I think it's probably a bad thing for the sport that it's that technical at this level, but it's incredible at the same time. And to hear him talk about that is is really cool information. Well, arrow at Slinger, man, there's a question mark. Yeah, but, uh, you know, they understand. They understand that, and that's uh, that's an advantage for that team, and that's why that team has been so successful to understand the aerodynamics of a race car. So, hey, man, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the way it is, and, uh, you know, it's tried and proven. And, you know, so a lot of drivers probably would listen to this and say, you know, maybe we need to do a little homework on our, our front ends or our, our aero package. And, I mean, we don't have any wind tunnels around the area, I don't believe. So, <laughs> you know, so interesting information, man. Good stuff, man. I love this one today. Yeah, and, you know, I think back about all the technical stuff when he talks to, and, you know, there's been some bodies that have been hung interestingly and um, all the stuff. Are we going to get to the point where, you know, sticker placement is going to be key and all this stuff? It's interesting to think about, but, um, obviously, we're in the, the era where Arrow is now a big level. 
Yeah, never thought it would be, man. A lot of people would just blow it off and say, well, maybe Milwaukee, a mile racetrack, maybe, but the rest of it doesn't uh, doesn't pertain, but uh, apparently it does. And uh, it kind of showed that uh, down there at Five Flags. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, once again, thank you, Ty, for, for joining us. Um, it's always great to talk to, to all the drivers, you including. We appreciate uh, how gracious you've been for to us over the years as well. And uh, Mark, uh, that might uh, conclude our, our interview series here. We reached out to a few other drivers. We'll see if we get any bites, but I think we're going to plan some more interviews in January. Uh, Rich Bickle, we've reached out to uh, Derek Krause. I know we had him on in the beginning part of the year, almost every after every truck race, and then schedules just got kind of mixed up there, unfortunately. Uh, so we still got some big things coming. And like Ty said, racing will be upon us before you know it. Yeah, for sure. And then, uh, you know, anybody else out there, because uh, a lot of people listen, that uh, any race team wants to uh, bring out any information or any news or just want to talk racing, uh, give us a ring and, uh, hey, we'll set up a time and we'll put a podcast out there and, and give you a little spotlight and some love out there. So, um, yeah, that's good stuff there, too. For sure, yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we still would we'll probably do a recap of the Snowball Derby weekend ourselves here yet. So uh, we got some things on the hopper here. You'll hear from us uh, soon. And uh, we can't thank you all enough. Yep, absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for the support. Yep, thank you. This has been a production of Double L Sports Network. Hope you all enjoyed it, and thank you for listening.